0: Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am your host here each and every weekend uh, where we discuss all things estate planning, elder law, uh, the things I think you need to know in order to make great estate planning decisions. Uh, and on this show, if you're new to it, we provide uh, what I what I think to be interesting and relevant information for families who are taking a look at, at doing some estate planning. You know, th- this stuff can get pretty complicated, and <clears throat> the 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 thing you want to do is become educated before you start making decisions. for For many many families, especially like when we get to re- retirement years, it is insufficient to simply uh, do a will and say, "Hey, um, equal shares to the kids," because that 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 type of planning really doesn't reflect reality. Um, Wills, the primary purpose of a will is to answer the question, who gets my stuff when I pass away, which is a question, of course, that we have to answer, but there's a lot of other questions like, should I avoid the probate system? Should I... Um, do anything to protect assets from like long-term care expenses? What are the different things that I could do uh, in order to protect myself, my wife, if we would go broke in a nursing home, etc. So these other questions to me are the ones that we really should spend more time planning uh, and thinking about, but it's complicated, and it requires becoming educated, which is why we host – this radio show it's also why we host our our very frequent three secrets of estate planning and elder law workshop which uh, we do um, pretty much every week at this point so you can check it out at seklerlawfirm.com s e c h l e r com. and if you come to the workshop you're all you're going to learn all about um, wills and powers of attorney and trust revocable trust irrevocable trust why irrevocable isn't a bad word Uh, and uh, and just sort of walk through the pros and cons of doing this type of planning so that you can make a well-informed decision on how – You want to plan for your family. Now, uh, this radio show, we do not give legal advice on the radio show. You shouldn't uh, make any financial or legal decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. Uh, I am not licensed to give you financial advice, and so do not consider anything I chat about on this show to be financial advice. If you need financial advice, go get somebody uh, that is qualified to give you that advice. But What I want to talk about factually today is uh, retirement accounts. Uh, a couple of different uh, concepts. Retirement accounts are um, are in the news these days. Um, and so why? Well, there's a couple of different laws that are impacting. We've got this new thing called Secure 2.0, uh, which we're still figuring out what the heck it means. But one of the things it means is you don't have to take uh, your required distributions from retirement accounts until 73, eventually age 75. So that's a good thing for people, for a lot of people um that could be a good thing. Um we're still figuring out, you know, what's buried in it and and how does this all work. But it doesn't seem to have as big of an impact as the original Secure Act which was passed in 2019 and came into effect in 2020, which I'm going to chat about here in a second. The other thing we want to cover in today's episode is what the heck is uh, ESG, ESG was in the news this week because President Biden uh, issued a veto on a Republic well, on Congress's effort to uh, to change some rules regarding your retirement accounts, and I think you should be paying attention to this one because um, of its impact on your account value now and in the future, and and um, this is not a place to be blind, you know. It, one of my sort of underlying tenets and how I think about this stuff is we have to have some some personal responsibility for how we choose our investments, for how we make our own decisions. That's why we provide all this education. I don't want to make decisions for you. I want to provide you with the information that you need to make your own decisions. We might have some tips and some, some recommendations. Uh, but I think far too many people um, – I think far too many people just sort of are, are uh, abdicate the decision. They sort of have like this, this level of apathy where I'm not really committed to making a decision. So whatever will be, will be. And And when we come to things like your retirement, when we come to things like your retirement accounts, your net worth, your legacy, you're going to leave – um, it's time to get off the couch and actually think about how this is going to work for you and for your family and think about it. So uh, retirement accounts. So why are retirement accounts in the news all the time? Well, uh, there was a there was a bank robber. Uh, if you've ever heard about Willie Sutton, they asked him, why did he rob banks? And the answer was because that's where the money is. And so why are retirement accounts in the news a lot? And why do they keep passing laws uh impacting retirement accounts and the answer is the same because that's where the money is so here we are with the with this 50 year retirement account experiment with the IRAs the 401k's that um you know our our contribution plans uh, that replaced the pensions which were defined benefit plans uh and so very few people have pensions through their work anymore we've got these 401k accounts but they keep changing the rules on a 401k accounts and the IRAs and um and it seems to me that not always in our best interest. Uh, and so I want to chat about uh, an experience I had with uh, the SECURE Act, the original SECURE Act in, um, in 2019 into 2020 and what it did. Um, and then I want to talk to you about these, these, this ESG veto, President Biden's first veto of his presidency, what the heck is ESG? Why are they arguing about it, and why did the president have to pull out a veto to protect it? Um, and uh, and just for your information, if you haven't read up on it, you probably should be because this is uh, this is stuff that that could significantly impact the value of your retirement account. Uh, and you know, if you think about investments the way I think about investments, what else matters other than the account? But we'll, we'll get into that here in uh, in a, a second. Um, so let's talk about secure. So many people, here we are three years past the implementation of the SECURE Act, and most people I meet, most potential clients I meet still have no idea what the heck the SECURE Act was, how it impacted you, and how it's going to take dollars out of your pocket. Um, So let's talk about it. So the SECURE Act impacted retirement accounts where It used to be the case, right? So all the baby boomers have all this money in this retirement account. We've got the wealthiest generation in the history of planet Earth is the American baby boomer with their 401k and IRA accounts. That's where the money is, okay? And it used to be the case that when, if my dad would pass away, let's say my dad passes away and at that point in time I am 55 years old. And let's say that my dad had a two hundred thousand dollar retirement account that he leaves to me, um, and I'm fifty-five when I inherit the money. Now, here's here was what was really interesting about retirement accounts prior to secure. Prior to secure, my dad's retirement account could essentially become my retirement account. It was called an inherited IRA. So he leaves me the money. I get to continue to enjoy tax deferred compounding growth on that account like it's my retirement account like a traditional IRA. Now, yeah, I would have to take out a little bit of money every year, required distributions, but most of that money most of that money would stay in the account and if I'm 55 when I would inherit it then you know, money if invested at seven percent doubles roughly every ten years. So if if my dad would leave me two hundred grand and I'm fifty five years old, then by the time I'm sixty five years old, we'd be talking about four hundred thousand. By the time I'm seventy five years old, we're talk- it, it would be what eight hundred thousand. By the time I'm eighty five, if I would live to eighty five, then it could be you know one point six million dollars, which. Um, you know we have to factor in growth and slumps and and timing, and you have to fun- factor in uh, withdrawals that we take over time but l- let 's just say that the that the amount could grow and, and another benefit is I could take the money out when I chose, uh, which then I can play tax strategy maybe i don 't want to take out the money between the time that i 'm fifty five and sixty five because maybe i 'm still working. And then once I hit 65, maybe then I want to pull money out of the retirement account because this is ordinary income. And so my tax bracket would be lower and I could put some thought into how to handle this thing. Um, And it was a beautiful situation. This was like, in my opinion, a, a super opportunity for upward mobility for middle class folks. Okay, um, Because middle class folks are the folks with the retirement accounts. It's, it's middle class, upper middle class. People that have $20 million, they may have a retirement account, but there's not $20 million in the retirement account. The, the retirement account is, is the retired school teacher, the retired laborer, the retired um, office worker who contributed to the 401k plan over the years. And then when they retired, maybe they converted to an IRA. But the money typically came from middle class work effort and people saving money. Okay. Now, <clears throat> after the SECURE Act, which passed in in the fall of 2019 and became effective in uh, January of 2020, and it kind of got buried underneath all the COVID news back then, they changed the rules. So, so the rule that they changed with the SECURE Act is now, if dad passes away and I'm 55 years old, I no longer have um, the ability to pull the money out over my life expectancy. Rather, now I have to pull the money out during the first 10 years after my father passes away. Now, when they first issued the SECURE Act, all the advisors and attorneys thought it meant, well, we just delay the money until year 10 and pull it out then. But no, they issued regulations since it says, uh, no, we think that you have to pull money out every year during the 10 years. All right, So now now we're in a situation where my dad passes away. He leaves me $200,000. And I have to pull the money out during the first 10 years. But if I'm 55... What are most 55-year-olds still doing? They're they're still working. Right? So if all goes as planned, I'll be in a higher income tax bracket when I'm 55 years old. And if, if I've got to take dad's IRA and put it on top of my regular 1040 income, then that IRA account, not only have I lost 30 years of tax-deferred growth on the account, now – I have to pull out of the money out in 10 years, so I've lost the growth, but I also have to pull out the money when my ordinary income tax rates are high because I'm still working. And this account is going to get smoked. My dad's life savings is going to get absolutely smoked by the IRS as a result of the SECURE Act. And this is like the perfect crime, right? Because if you're retired right now and you've got the retirement account, you don't notice the difference during your life. This is a tax that applies after you pass away. Um, in your kids who might inherit from you in 20 years, they're not going to know that had they not passed the SECURE Act 20 years ago, that the amount could have been taken over their life expectancy, which would have put them in a much stronger financial position, right? So it doesn't impact your retirement account. The kids don't understand that it, uh, it's got a giant impact on them because none of that has any real live paying right now, nobody paid any attention to the fact that they just instituted a giant tax hike on the middle class by requiring this money to be distributed out faster. This is a death tax on the middle class. If you think about it right now, right now, as I'm recording this episode, we have a lifetime exemption from the federal estate tax, the federal death tax. The lifetime exemption is about $13 million. So if you take a married couple, each spouse gets $13 million lifetime exemption. We're talking about $26 million before there's a federal estate tax. And people with $26 million have probably done planning with a lot of that money. So in, in it, the family's probably worth 30 or 35 before we're actually paying any th- federal estate tax. So by all intents and purposes, by a wide margin, nobody's paying federal estate tax. Okay, We, we could take a family that has $20 million. Um, most people would consider a family with $20 million of net worth to be to be fairly wealthy, right? And, and um, good for them. Like I'm not mad at them for having wealth. I, I hope to be wealthy one day. But that family, if they pass away with $20 million and in the current environment, there's no federal estate tax. There's no death tax because you know that $20 million is not in retirement accounts. Uh, so there's, uh, for all intents and purposes, no federal estate tax. Plus, they get stepped up tax basis. So we're not paying capital gains tax either. Great. Good for them. That's, I mean, I, look, I'm low tax. I'm a big fan of low tax. So I'm glad they're not paying the tax. But then we consider this thing called the SECURE Act. In the SECURE Act now, you have to ask the question, who owns the retirement accounts? And it's not the people with $20 million. The retirement accounts are owned by the middle class folks, the upper middle class folks. Okay. That's who worked for the 401k and saved the money in the retirement account. Um, Now, when that person passes away, let's take a person who worked hard as a school teacher uh, and was able to save $700,000 in a retirement account. That's a nice retirement account. When that person passes away, now that person's children have to put all the money out of that account within 10 years after they pass away and pay ordinary income tax rates. We're not getting any stepped up anything. This is ordinary income. So while it's not technically a a death tax – it is an income tax that is due within a defined period of time after someone passed away because they passed away it sounds an awful lot like a death tax and it sounds an awful lot like there's a death tax on the middle class and there's not a death tax on folks with 20 million dollars and i just have to ask the question you know why and did you even know this like if you're listening to this show and you're hearing this for the first time this has been the law for 3 years why does no one talk about this stuff and and the answer is we got to take a little bit of personal responsibility to understand what we own and what we don't own. And I want to tell a little anecdote about the Secure Act. Um, the Secure Act passed super fast. Um, by the time it, you know, we attorneys kind of track legislation and, and propose legislation as as it unfolds. And by the time it hit the news that the SECURE Act had been proposed back in 2019, the SECURE Act had already passed both houses of, of Congress, right? So it had already passed the House of Representatives. And so the House passes this bill lightning fast, bipartisan effort. Every, like if you pay attention to Congress, no nobody's agreeing on anything these days, right? So they passed this thing so fast. And then um, now it goes on to the Senate. And so I um, – I personally reached out to uh, the the two Pennsylvania senators at the time, which was Bob Casey and Pat Toomey. I called both their offices. Um, This is not political commentary on which one is better or which one is worse. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, But this is factually what happened. I called and left voicemails at both offices. Bob Casey's office never returned my phone call. Pat Toomey's office returned my phone call like really quick, like 20 minutes later. And it wasn't to me, of course. It was uh, his Pittsburgh office person. But um, the guy calls me, and he says, "Um, Tim, I understand you called about the SECURE Act. I said, yes, sir. He said, I understand that you're uh, you're an estate planning attorney. I said, yes, sir. He said, I understand you don't really like the SECURE Act. I said, no, sir, I don't. And he goes, great. Can you tell us what it is? And my – Jaw about hit the table. This is a United States senator's office asking me, an attorney in Cranberry Township, an estate planning attorney, the U.S. senator's office is asking me what the SECURE Act is after the House of Representatives had already passed the bill. And so I explain it to the guy. I say, well, you know, do you have a retirement account? Probably through a savings plan with the government, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we go through the thing and I explain it to him about how he's going to lose all this money if he uh, you know when he passes away. And the the fellow says I don't like that at all. And I said, Me neither, thanks for listening. Um and so i thought you know what wow democracy still works you know my voice has literally been heard i just i just talked to a u.s senator's office and they listened to my concerns um and then to me voted for the thing three weeks later and you know i just i I get more and more cynical as time goes on because this to me was just the perfect crime they took the people listening to this radio show here if we if we could combine all the people that are going to hear this radio show They have stolen millions of dollars from your children. You invested in a retirement account that had a promise of tax-deferred growth for their life expectancy after you passed away. That was the deal when you invested your money. And now that the money accumulated, now you're in your retirement years, now they're looking at it saying, well, wait a second. This money is actually going to transfer to the next generation. They changed the deal on you, and you should be furious about this. Right now, we, and, and and so they issue secure two point which which does not have as big a negative impact, or at least so it looks. But the other thing I want to chat with you about with with your retirement accounts is this thing called ESG. So let's define what ESG is. So I am on. Forbes.com. All right, now, I don't want to make up a definition, so I'm going to use Forbes.com's definition. Here's what it says. The ESG strategy means investing in companies that score highly on environmental societal responsibility scales as determined by third-party independent companies and research groups. At its core – ESG investing is about influencing positive changes in society by being a better investor, says Hank Smith, head of investment strategy at the Haverford Trust Company. Uh, ESG technically stands for Environment, Social, and Governance. What kind of impact does a company have on the environment? How does the company improve its social impact, both within the company and in the broader community? Uh, and how does the company's board and management drive positive change? Okay, so here's the context, at least as I see the world, and as at least when I went to business school and, and have a finance degree. When I went to business school and have a finance degree, I was taught that the company's leadership should be meant to drive profit for its shareholders, its stockholders, the goal of the leadership of the company is to increase the value for its owners, who are the stockholders. Okay. Now, we take a basket of stocks and we put it into a thing called a mutual fund. Mutual fund is now a basket of company stocks and a bunch of other companies' stocks, And they're all compiled together to sort of hedge risks and whatnot. That's called a mutual fund. Most retirement dollars, lots of retirement dollars, maybe I shouldn't say most because I really don't know, but lots of retirement dollars are invested in Mutual funds. Okay. So then the theory goes, at least if it's my retirement account, and the way I was taught about finance when I went to business school was if I'm investing money in a retirement account, it is to grow that money because I don't count on Social Security being there when I'm in retirement years. And that money should grow over time so that when I retire, I've got money in a retirement account that I can live on. So then my goal with my retirement account is to increase its value over time because I own a little, little slice of each of those companies. And it is my understanding that each of the directors of those companies are working hard to increase the share price for me, its owner, right? I mean that's my understanding of the thing. But then we got – the government kind of getting involved with this a little bit. And it turns out that there was a Department of Labor rule. Department of Labor uh, governs 401K and retirement accounts to some extent um, that allowed the, the managers of these funds and the managers of the uh, of the retirement funds to include ESG factors. Now, they had to write a rule. Let's just think about this. They had to write a rule that would allow um, – the, the people managing the money to consider ESG factor. And the reason that they had to create a rule, at least as I see it, was because before they created created the rule, the fund manager's job was to increase stock price. So we had to actually create a rule that allowed them to do something other than this. And this is a couple years old now. And so finally, the um, Congress said, wait a second, wait a second. Um, this may not be in investors' best interest. Maybe we don't want to have this occur uh, because the investors, boy, we're, man, maybe Social Security is going to be broke when they when they need to retire. So maybe we actually want the value in the accounts to be higher so that they can retire and, and have a decent retirement and not be on the government dime. So, so maybe we shouldn't allow them to consider ESG rules. Um, and then so Congress, both houses, passed a, a rule getting rid of this thing. And and Joe Biden just vetoed it. So Joe Biden beat, vetoed the rule that came out of Congress that was going to get rid of this nonsense. And that's my opinion nonsense. Uh, that's my opinion. Um, he vetoed the rule. Okay. Now, so now the, the, the fund managers can still consider these things. Um, and you have to understand this was bipartisan. Congress was trying to get rid of it. All right, so then then one must ask, what's going on here? Um, So I am now on CNN.com, and um, CNN has a quote from Chuck Schumer. This isn't about ideological preference. It's about looking at the biggest picture possible for investments to minimize risk and maximize returns, he said, noting it's a narrow rule that is literally allowing the free market to do its work. Well, wait a second. If the free market was doing its work, then why would we need a rule that allows the managers of the funds to consider something other than stock price? Because if the free market was – at least when I took economics, when I took finance, if the free market was doing its work, we wouldn't need a rule that allowed them to consider this stuff because the way that free markets work is if this was good for stock price, if considering ESG factors was good for stock price, the stock price would inherently rise as a result of – the ESG efforts that may or may not be good for the company and the community and all the rest. Okay, so we wouldn't need a specific rule to allow free markets to do its rule, its work. By by definition, free markets don't need a lot of rules, right? So anyway, and then so I want to. I just want to comment because here I've got an article again on CNN, which has not necessarily been known to be you know a conservative bulwark. There's a, a commentary piece. This is an opinion piece by a, a gentleman named Sanjay Bagat. Apologies if I mispronounce your name. Who says? Well, wait a minute. You know the argument that Chuck Schumer is making here doesn't actually hold up because, and and uh, if you reach out to my firm, I can give you the link to this. But it actually turns out that the companies that that um, that ranked well in terms of ESG, at least to one of the, uh, several of the people studying this thing, actually underperformed companies that did not rank high in ESG by about 5%. So the growth was 5% less than the companies who only got, what do they call it, One Globe. Um, five Globe companies were apparently high ESG-factored companies. One Globe companies were low ESG companies. But the low ESG companies, the One Globe companies, actually outperformed in stock price. So then no, 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 This is, the free market is not saying ESG is good for stock price. And wherever you fall on this, I'm not telling you where you need to fall on this, okay? Maybe you're pro-ESG. Maybe you're not pro-ESG. But my point, my, my major point in this is this is your money this is your retirement account. They already hit you with the SECURE Act and smoked you with income taxes now. And now they're allowing the fund managers to consider something other than your financial best interest with your retirement accounts. So if I'm you, my suggestion to you is perhaps you want to investigate who's running the money in your 401k. Is it an ESG-based thing? Is it not an ESG-based thing? And then make your own conclusion on whether you think it's in your best interest. But There's a little thing going on here now where the first time they had to create a rule that allowed them to consider something other than your financial best interest for uh, evaluating um, the, the investments that they're choosing for you okay so be careful with this now i hope you found this information helpful i hope you don't make legal or financial decisions based on this show or any other show you need to speak with a qualified financial advisor on your retirement accounts we can help you with the estate planning and elder law piece but i want you to understand what's going on with this read up on your own Um, and i can forward any of the articles that i was reading from to you if you want to know more about it Pay attention to what's going on with your money, guys. That's my tip of the week. Uh, thank you for listening to the Secular Law Firm, uh, to the Life and Legacy show sponsored by the Secular Law Firm. You can find out more information about us at SeclerLawFirm.com. Come to one of our estate planning and elder law workshops. We're going to get you set up with a great estate plan that protects you, your finances, and your family. I look forward to seeing you there.